Hello again, it's Charlie O'Shields back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. In the more than four and a half years that I've been sketching and writing every day, I've often been inspired by nostalgia. I love those flashes from the past that bring back such good memories. Of course, they're called retro or vintage now, but once upon a time, they were the coolest, most modern inventions ever. Indeed, it's funny how time alters our view of things. Another reason why I adore these things from the past is that it takes me right back to when I was a kid again. As most of you know by now, this is the space I go to each time I sit down to sketch and paint. This helps me kick that adult brain to the curb for a bit and create freely without any judgment. And it's equally why I always have a lot of fun. There's just something so incredibly wonderful about connecting to my past as I sketch my way into the future. I learn so much each time my mind remembers those days gone by. And they haven't gone far as they're always waiting for me right there in my heart. So I hope you'll join me now for an inspiring trip down memory lane through a set of stories inspired by sketching vintage memories. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. That time long ago. Once for a prompt of camera, which in modern times usually refers to a cell phone, I decided that wasn't quite as interesting to paint, so I traveled back in time to a camera that was made just before I was born. It would be the year after this camera was last produced that I myself would enter the world, but I adore the look of those vintage cameras. There was so much attention to detail in them. I love details, but as ever, this one is perfectly scribbled, so if you zoom in, you'll notice there's not quite that much accurate detail at all. What I love most is that having a contraption like this in order to take a picture somehow made that picture more precious. It wasn't instantly delivered digitally, but took a bit of processing to reveal a very tangible result. Perhaps that's why I love sketching with watercolors so much. It's fun to take a blank page of actual paper and make something appear there. And like those photos from days gone by, there are little errors and bits of things that probably shouldn't be there, but the effect is all that matters in the end. And suddenly, a camera appears on white paper. It always feels a bit magical to me. A few scribbles and only three colors can create quite an interesting illusion of reality. On a break at work this week, I got lost in videos of various magicians. It was so engaging to watch as various magic tricks were being performed. I loved trying to figure out how they actually did the trick, but most of the time, it was simply something they'd purchased to deliver a particular effect. What made it all so fun wasn't the actual trick as much as the performance that went along with it. That was the real magic. There was always a bit of story or some other piece of pageantry that made everything more interesting. When I was a kid, I loved those little rounders in stores that had tiny magic tricks that I could buy. Well, at least I could talk my mom into buying them for me. There was the pack of gum that snapped back when you tried to take a piece, and even something that made it look like smoke was flowing from your fingertips. It was a mixture of tricks and pranks, really, but it was so much fun. Perhaps that's why in my own little sketches I try to add a touch of magic. 
I like the illusion that watercolor can create with just a few strokes to make something seem so real and detailed. Yet on closer inspection, the trick is revealed. The wobbly lines and lack of precision are right there for those clever enough to look. I always wanted to be a magician as a kid as I thought it would be really amazing. Kids always like the idea of magic and it's only adults who start out by questioning it. My littlest self wanted to believe that anything was possible while my current self stops to question everything that happens along the way. That's why when I sketch, I rely on my littlest self to get me through it. I have very little time, so if my adult tried to paint a camera, we'd spend all day trying to riddle out how to get all of those details together. Thankfully, little Charlie steps in and says gleefully, it's just a bunch of shapes like this, and I happily follow his lead. The camera was completed in less than 30 minutes, which feels a bit like a magic trick given the complexity of the subject matter. But when I approach something through the eyes of a child, it becomes far less vexing. Those thousand lines become just a few simple scribbles, and my white page produces a little vintage camera. I'm perfectly aware that I present what I do as though it's easy, but that's the truth. I don't have a way of making what I do more difficult, nor would I want to try. It's truly just harnessing that inner child and letting your mind do what it already knows it can. For me, it's not about moving forward as much as harnessing my truest creative power from that time long ago. Back in the 80s. For a prompt of music once, my mind drifted back to the 80s and the amazing music listening contraptions that existed then. In short, the boombox, which was a marvel of music technology and came in frighteningly large versions. The handle let you know that despite its incredible weight and girth, it was indeed meant to be somehow portable. My own version is based on an actual sharp boombox that came out at the very beginning of the 80s and one that was coveted but I never received. So I've painted it with popular use of the decade to make it a bit more festive and had there been one in these colors, I would probably have found a way to acquire it, most likely putting it on layaway. Not surprisingly, my everyday palette is already filled with colors that easily evoke days gone by. The very fact that I chose pink over purple for my set of secondary colors is no doubt because I was a teenager in the 80s. This was a decade where guys could suddenly wear pink and it was considered cool. I happily wore pink, but was never considered cool. I didn't mind. I think it's always good when you're not exactly like everyone else. Granted, I tend to veer off in a very different direction in the things I create and ideas I come up with, but for me, that's what makes the journey much more fun. The 80s had so many memorable music hits, it's quite impossible to list them all. I love listening to the music and did actually have my own boombox even though it wasn't as fancy as the one I depicted. The thing about the music is that it was all catchy and memorable. You could hear a song once and immediately be walking around singing it the next day. Indeed, there are many of those songs that we can still sing, if only in the shower these days. What was most notable was that all of the people singing those hits let their hair grow out. For a time, it seemed like you couldn't possibly make the top of the charts unless your hair came down over your ears. 
If you didn't have that sort of hair that would lay nicely, there was an iconic perm waiting for you to fix that. I didn't have that sort of naturally thick and wavy hair, so I once tried a perm back then. It was hideous and looked like a feral poodle had curled up and died on my head. I only vaguely remember the reactions from my friends during this unfortunate hair experiment, but most, as I recall, were tinged with a bit of shock mixed with genuine loving concern. Perhaps that's why I really enjoyed watching Stranger Things on Netflix. It was fun to go back to an era that held so many memories. Not all of them were awesome, mind you, as I was a teenager and those years are filled with plenty of tragedies that only I could properly understand. But when I look back, it was actually a rather glorious time, even with all of the confusion and heartaches that I was quite sure only I ever had experienced. Now that I'm older, I know that everyone on the planet experiences a rather similar thing during this time. Yet when you're in this pivotal moment, everything seems like it's only happening to you. That's why I think that decade when we were teenagers, whatever that might be for you, is always a rather magical one. It's filled with all of the decisions and foibles that will ultimately set a course that becomes the life we are living right now. Sure, there may be regrets, but mostly those memories have become something happy and golden. For me, I only regret what I didn't do, never what I tried and failed at doing. That's just how I learned to take a different path. But even today, when I close my eyes, I still hear that music and experience that thrill of infinite possibility, the insanely optimistic hope I had for the future that I might create when I was just learning how to become something more like an adult back in the 80s. Lovely Distractions For a prompt of Lava Lamp once, I noticed on posts from other artists that depending on where you are in the world, you might have had to do a quick search to figure out what the heck it is. I loved these lamps when I was a kid, and after sketching one a little over a year ago, I suddenly decided I absolutely had to have one that Christmas. The next several weeks were spent dropping not terribly subtle hints to Philippe on my sudden craving. As the story unfolded, it did indeed have a happy ending, and I decided to sketch the very lava lamp that I received. It now sits on a corner table next to my favorite chair as a sort of trophy for my incessant begging. This is probably not a behavior that should be rewarded, but I really do adore my lava lamp. From someone as easily distracted as I am, this could also seem like the worst gift ever. In truth, I'm often writing my posts while sitting next to it and can get a little caught up in watching the little wax bubbles form. Lamps like these can put one into a bit of a trance, but it's such a happy and peaceful place that I also find it rather energizing. And at any rate, it's probably a much needed break from my usual distraction of funny pet videos. It's quite true that I rarely ever do one thing at a time. While I'm painting, I'm also usually watching an and or listening to a show with Philippe. While I'm writing, I'm taking quick little breaks to get lost in my lava lamp. 
This sort of approach, as I'm talking about, it seems perfectly childish and practically dysfunctional. But that's the thing about creativity. It's not really a functional endeavor. It's a messy place where the mind jumps from one idea to something completely random and never follows a linear path. And it's the space I enjoy most. I've no idea quite how I'll paint something when I sit down to paint it, and no clue what story will appear under it when I'm done. This to me has made the whole journey much more exciting. If I always planned out every post, it would eventually feel like work. This is my playtime, so I simply treat it as such. My only goal is to complete something each day, and the rest of it is left to that wild roller coaster of chance that I ride each and every time I attempt to do so. And sometimes something really cool appears and I write something that surprises me. Other times it's just a glimpse into the mind of a crazy person. Either way, it's become the most rewarding habit I've ever had. Truly, I feel like my lack of process and planning has made me better at sketching, and it's made me better at many things in life. That said, there's a heck of a lot to be said for planning things and following a steady approach. This is a wonderful skill that I can personally only do in short bursts. My mind is much more like a bubbling lava lamp, slowly moving between inexplicable shapes and notions. What sometimes feels like a rash decision was actually hours and hours of bubbling thought. Nothing I've written down, of course, but thoughts that are still there, blending into one another and creating new ideas. Perhaps that's why I adore lava lamps so much. Beyond the cool look and wonderful therapeutic qualities, I can simply relate to them. Sometimes great ideas come from those small bits of ideas that seem to be moving too slowly to matter, but it's the combination that makes the magic and creates something fabulous and new. Maybe it's nothing groundbreaking, but if it didn't exist in that moment before, it's something to treasure. And so I just keep right on sketching my way through life and enjoying all of those beautiful unexpected moments that can very often be credited to those lovely distractions. Eight-track tapes and other memories. Once for a prompt of red tape, I initially thought of the actual idiom, which applies to excessive adherence to rules and formalities. Anyone who reads my posts on a regular, semi-regular basis knows that I'm not a fan of rules, so my mind wandered elsewhere. Way back in time to the 70s, when I was just a little kid and eight-track tapes were still around, these are those gigantic tapes that were eventually phased out by retail stores in 1982. I mentioned before that my family got a new car when I was very young that was ultra-modern and had a cassette player in it. When asked what I thought of the new car, I responded that I hated it. My mother asked me why, and I simply said, no more Ray Charles. That soulful 8-track was my favorite, so today was my opportunity to honor that moment in a sketch. Of course, the red tape on top had to be the more popular music of the time, known as disco. My parents were not fans, so I don't think we actually had an 8-track like this, but I secretly loved those songs that would play on the radio. I would happily sing along with I Will Survive, though I had no idea what any of it really meant at the time. But I grew up rather fearless, so perhaps it affected me after all. 
I loved the music so much when I was a kid. It was like learning another language, and I wanted to learn all I could. It's not at all surprising that I ended up performing in musicals as I got older, though these days I only sing while riding around in the car. Philippe adores music as well, and this is one of the things that connected us in those early years. He would make playlists for me that I would listen to often while crying when returning home from Paris alone, still wondering what the hell we were doing and how this was ever going to possibly work out. Music made it all seem possible. Perhaps my drama background had made me certain I was starring in my own movie where a happy ending was just around the corner. Yet I have to adore that feeling as it was the very thing that got me through the toughest moments and made me actually believe the impossible might just happen. That's a rather amazing thing that I've learned in my personal journey. Belief is a powerful source indeed. If you choose to believe something is possible, it really just might happen. Sure, it certainly can't work for everything, like becoming a millionaire, but it can always work for the things that truly matter. Those things are small or big for their size, like eight-track tapes. They are the little things that bring true joy and remind us of the best bits of life, a song that touches our heart in a way we can't quite express. There's just a simple joy of knowing that a particular bit of music and words are exactly what we are feeling in that moment. Or perhaps that song made us feel something more powerful than we were even imagining at the time. Songs are amazing because they're essentially poetry set to music, a wild and wonderful combination of arts that come together to make the most incredible impact on our hearts. As a young boy, I used to write and sing songs on the piano. I wasn't amazing, but some of the songs were actually singable and all of them had a message or story. I love my past because it's equally part of my present. I've not become someone new. I've just journeyed to another place in time. So when my little self and my current self come together, we always sing the same song. It's a song that's at times random and impulsive, but a perfect reflection of the creator. And it's also why I'll suddenly show up to share a thought about egg track tapes and other memories. The 11th Hour For a prompt of shiny things once, it could have been anything at all. Yet as I was heading to create my sketch and post, I once again found myself stressed for time, so it made me think of an alarm clock. This last-minute approach of doing things is what's also known as doing things in the 11th hour, and it's the very approach I've taken all of my life. I used to think I had an issue with procrastination, but it's more about waiting for an idea to strike me. There's little point in starting something without some sort of idea in place, so I just wait for it to happen first. When I think about it, I'm not really procrastinating at all since I spend most of my waking hours thinking of various ideas. Many ideas never see the light of day, but others are still brewing there and will hopefully appear one day soon. While I always promote the idea of doing, thinking about ideas counts as that as well. Sometimes when I find myself a bit frustrated with my watercolor sketching, I just pause and think about ideas instead. And when I have a thought that inspires me, I go back and try again. One of the things I've learned on this art journey is that 
trying to force myself to show up and make something is the least inspiring thing I could do. Yet I've still managed to show up each and every day now for almost five years. How do I do it? Well, I stop the moment I feel uninspired and think of things I'd most like to paint instead. Once I have that thing in mind, I jump in with glee once again. And many of you may have noticed that even if I'm following a prompt, I'll often bend it to my will and make it work for whatever I really wanted to make most. I get so excited about sketching stuff every day that I totally missed the doodle wash birthday post on July 3rd last year. I sketched watermelons and plastic wrap that day and wasn't really sure how to add the birthday candles. But yes, at that time, I had been sketching and painting with watercolor each and every day for over four years. At that point, the number was 1,464, which seemed rather high, but now it's over 1,700. One of the most important things I have to share about my own journey is that I didn't set out to complete anything. I simply wanted to sketch, paint, and write each and every day. My personal challenge has only ever been to do just that. With no number or end date in mind, I just kept right on doing it. And that's why along with World Watercolor Month in July, I hold monthly watercolor and drawing challenges every single month of the year. My secret hope is that you'll discover what I've discovered, that showing up to make something is the most incredible feeling there is and it's so much easier to do than you think it is. I hope people will become hooked on sketching like I've become and stop counting the days entirely, at least the days where something is actually created. I think it's far more productive to count the days when something isn't created instead and try to make that number as low as possible. For me, I like keeping that number to zero days. So if you're up for it, take on my zero day challenge that simply involves showing up to make a little something each and every day. No pressure or expectations of greatness, but instead a journey of discovery, wonder, and fun lies ahead. And the best news is that when you're making that little thing your heart desired that day, the timing is still perfect even when it's in the 11th hour. A Shadow of an Idea Once for a prompt of shadow play, I truly had no thought in mind of what to make for it. It could, after all, be anything at all. It's a prompt that just needs an idea in order to flourish. Yet I was rushed and running late getting home from my day job and hadn't come up with anything to create, so it was the perfect time to paint a light bulb, which I seem to paint whenever I'm at a loss for an idea, paying homage to the very icon of an idea itself. In this case, I tried to make it a bit more challenging by having multiple light sources and casting of three different shadows, and then set about painting it in only two colors. In my mind, I meant to use more colors, but when you start without an idea, then anything can happen. I think it rather gets the visual across, albeit in my usual quick and scribbled style, best viewed from a safe distance in order to create the illusion. The magical effect of watercolor is why I adore it. Even though my style seems a bit more realistic, it's just a light scribbled pencil sketch doodled over with ink with my fountain pen and then colored with watercolor. 
Yep, just a coloring book image I made for myself today and then gleefully colored with watercolor paint. It's why I call them doodle washes and why I have a blast sketching stuff every single day. Thinking of a light bulb to represent an idea is not remotely creative, but painting said light bulb in 45 minutes with glass, metal, and shadows was certainly a fun and challenging exercise. That's pretty much all I had in my head when I went to make this, and I mention it because what more should I ever need? A general notion of something I want to try is more than enough to give it a go. This particular challenge I set for myself at the 11th hour was super fun to attempt mostly because it was so last minute and I had no time whatsoever to talk myself out of it. To me, that's one of the best approaches we could ever take when trying to create something and why I actually do enjoy deadlines. Though random ideas may have been flitting through my mind all day, it's that final moment where I know there won't be any other chances that enthralls me. Since I was running late today, choosing something this complex is likely something only a crazy person would attempt. Or, as I like to think of it, simply the very thing I needed to try next because my heart led me there. That's the beauty that can be found in creating something spontaneously. It's a surprise to me as well when I look at it and makes it even more magical. I've been asked many times if I offer online courses, but at this moment, it's not something I'm planning to do next. First, I do all of this as a side hobby and sneak time just to practice my single sketch and a bit of writing for the day. And second, what I want to teach you is what I share each day in these posts. Herein lies all of my wisdom that I hope will help you create whatever you want in your own unique style. And it's also why when I finally did make an instructional book, it ended up as an activity book for all ages meant to help people reconnect with their inner child, to embrace that awesome innate creativity and skill that's in all of us. Even for children, by the way, since around the age of nine, we start saying things like, I can't draw, I can't paint. And it's equally why I founded World Watercolor Month in July as a charitable event to support arts education and get art supplies for underprivileged kids. I started Doodle Wash and founded that month with very grand ideas, but at the heart of it all, I just think that by coming together, we can make a positive difference in the world. It's been a joy to see the difference we've already made and here's to even more positive change in the future. It's a wonderful thing indeed when you follow your dreams, even when they might only begin with a shadow of an idea. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. Bye.